Before we jump into this episode, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors, Gateway Seminary. Gateway Seminary is a resource for the church. Whether you are looking to grow as a Bible teacher or maybe get a little bit better in college or youth ministry, they've got something for you all the way from certificates to master's degrees. No matter where you're at or what you're looking for, Gateway Seminary might be a great resource for you. Check them out at move.sc gateway. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I am Stephanie Schaefer here with the PMB, Pastor Matt Brown, and his lovely wife, Tammy Brown. Welcome hey, again. We are so recovering on the from show. our Disneyland hangover. I know. How are you guys doing today? Good walk, seven, almost seven miles. Yeah. Wow. Disneyland is crowded. Yeah. Yeah, well, our son didn't think it was super crowded, but yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, it was a holiday, too, so, yeah. but, you know, we're not, we well, just, uh, We yeah. used to love Disneyland, to yeah. be fair. When our, girl, when our kids were little, but now... It's just so much money, yeah. so much crowds. <laughs> yeah, and I would just say to all but of our young fun. people, you have no idea how your preferences will change as you age. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the... Now, some people who maybe hate Disneyland when you're young, you might love it when you're older. We loved it, and we took our kids yeah. there all the time. We're in a little season of getting older. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's too loud. It's too many people. <laughs> it's too, it's too much money. We're those old, grumpy, yeah. grumpier old people now. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of the whole day was watching this mother put her arm around her teenage daughter and the daughter was like, like pulled her shoulder away. And I just was dying laughing. I'm like, oh man, it's tough to be a parent of a teenager. Yeah, Our teenager was actually I was okay. going to say my favorite part of the day was watching our almost 17 year old build they have this like exhibit where you can build little droid like legos but they're droids Mm -hmm. and it was just like watching him have a moment of just being Mm -hmm. like carefree again and little again and it was really sweet and special i think i don't know if it was yours but my son and i's favorite part of the day was watching the 14 minute summary of all the star wars movies special thing to like doing at disneyland my favorite part of the day was watching matt and ethan do Star out. Wars. Yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty oh, cool. That's fine. All right. We got to hurry. Cool. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so this is going to be the shortest debrief ever. <laughs> we're going for it today. I doubt it. So we're going to jump into your questions about family drama uh, shortly. We do have one follow up question from last week that yes. um, you wanted to address. So Tom wrote in and said, I was really taken aback near the end of last week's episode when he shared about Ethan and forcing him to wear clothes from Walmart or a thrift store to show him he hadn't earned an A level life. I understand the greater point you're making about his responsibilities, but you presented it in a way that was very shaming to those of us who been on limited budgets for our kids. My wife and I had many years when thrift stores were a lifesaver for us and Walmart Mm. and Target were a huge upgrade. I can only imagine what that did to the heart of a parent who's really struggling to provide the best for their kids and probably is already more than aware of how they were not available to, not able to afford what other kids have. Did you use the word forcing that you forced him? Was that the language you used? I don't remember. I I have a hard time listening to myself. So here's what I would say, Tom. I I think it's a great question. Um, And certainly I think that um, I need to be aware of people people of, of various income levels in the church. And let me just say this. Jesus is poor. I worship Jesus. There's nothing wrong with being poor. Um, I think I, I grew up poor and I grew up. We both did. Yeah, we, we both grew up poor, wanting clothes from different places. What I would ask for is just a certain level of grace. I'm not speaking to any parent. I think any parent, regardless of income, has to struggle with, does my kid recognize the cost with which, uh, the expense with which I'm spending to provide the lifestyle that I can provide for my kids? So uh, so for some parents, that's thrift store. For some parents, that's Walmart. For some parents, that's something else. And there are people in our church who spend you know far more amounts uh, on their kids' clothing than Tammy and I do. 
and I don't feel in any way um, disparaged or looked down upon because we don't allow our kids to shop at certain sorts. I think every parent in today's world has to really wrestle with kids' sense of entitlement. And so whether that mm-hmm. entitlement is thrift store shopping or Walmart shopping or whatever, and that's what we were struggling with our kid. And so I, I never want to make any parent listening feel any way about their kid or what they're doing. But I do want to have the opportunity to share very real stuff about things that are going mm-hmm. on in Tammy and I's life. And so I think that there's a balance there. I was not thinking at all about what, how it might make another parent feel. I was sharing something that was very, very relevant for our lives. And so, you know, I, Tom, I appreciate your question, and that's why I wanted to put this mm-hmm. on. So I'm sorry for any for anybody who I, I made feel bad about your level of income. It, it doesn't matter about the amount of money you make. It's about your level of obedience. And so my prayer is that what you would get out of that is, regardless of my level of income, does my kid appreciate what I'm trying to do for them? And part of raising a child is not just, it has nothing to do with the level of, of, of wealth with which you bless your child. It has to do with raising your child to appreciate the things that you've worked hard for and are struggling to provide for them. And I think Tammy and I were very aware as children of our parents' struggle to provide for us. I think our son in particular, because he's been raised at a different socioeconomic level than even our children, our girls. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Our lifestyle has changed in the last couple of years. And I think we've struggled to say, hey, some of the things we want in life takes hard work. And so I'm trying to prepare you for that reality because at some point he's not going to live off the money we make. He's going to have to live off the money you know, that he makes. And I was merely trying to Mm-hmm. You know, share a, a difficult point of, of contention between my son and I, and this was something that seemed to get his attention and a- allowed him to be motivated. So I don't want anybody to feel bad. And and Tom, thank you for pointing that out. And just so you know, I don't script this out. You know, I was just, you know, kind of free flowing here and, and just sharing something that was very, very real. That was not something that was pre-planned. And part of who I am as a pastor is I'm the Apostle Peter. God uses my mouth for great things, and sometimes things come flying out that just just don't come out the right way. And I think this is one of those instances where had I taken a step back and had we caught it, you know, I would have definitely said it in a different way. And so I hope that everybody like Tom mm-hmm. here knows my heart, and my heart is not to shame anyone based upon their socioeconomic mm-hmm. status, but to encourage every parent to <laughs> challenge their kids, specifically with the clothes that you provide, to say, hey, at some point, you're going to need to provide uh, these things for yourself. And whatever level mm-hmm. that you want to be at, and however you view that, don't grow accustomed to what mom and dad provide for you because you're going to have to do this yourself. And I don't think children today are raised, regardless of socioeconomic status, are, are raised with that level of awareness. And uh, I mean, even in some of our poor communities, you know, where maybe we do a backpack drive or we, we try to help out teachers, we'll go there and I'll see kids in $150 shoes. And these are very, very low socioeconomic uh, neighborhoods. And I'm like, my parents would have never have allowed that to happen. And so I think parents at every level feel pressured to provide things for their kids that they can't afford. And and I think that's wrong. I think well, our kids need to I would appreciate. just say, speaking into that, I'm not sure that, I don't know if this is how he heard it or if it's what you said. I'll, I'll definitely go back and listen. But the, the forcing to wear and the A, A-level life, um, it, I don't remember it being communicated that way, but I was part of the, I knew what you meant. So, but it was never about, 
A level life versus B level life. It, it, for our son, it was work ethic. Yeah, it was always about work ethic for him. Of you want the best of everything when you're willing to put in mm-hmm. the. For for us, the lesson was never hey better versus worse, A life versus everyone else with a B life. It was always about you need to start understanding that when you're not willing to work for something, you're not going to get it. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, I'm. You know, that that language feels very strong to me. I don't remember it being said that way, but obviously it was communicated that way. But it was never about our son going, hey, you, you're you never going to have our A-level life. Or I, I wouldn't even necessarily say it that way for him. We're trying to instill in him a work ethic that he, as a, as a man who in my heart is one day he's going to be providing for a family. And, you know, right now that's being done for him. And we're trying to pass that baton to him of going, and also one day you're going to need to become a provider and, um, to work hard. And, you know, that, that wasn't happening with him at the time. So, you know, I just, if that's what was said, a level life, I would want to apologize for that too, because that's not what we're trying to have him aspire to, is to have some A-level kind of life. We want our son to aspire to be a provider and to work hard for his family. Yeah, and he wasn't. I mean, that's the bottom line. It wasn't an issue of intelligence. It was an issue of laziness. And it wasn't an issue of materialism. Yeah. It was an issue of laziness. So, yeah, And we're trying to, we were trying to figure out a way to to deal with that. And so, Tom, thanks for a great question. I mean, the reason I put it on the show is because, you know, there may have been others that felt this mm-hmm. way. And I mean, the reality is, is when I talk for an hour, there's going to be things that I say that I probably, I don't agree with myself, but they come out of my mouth. And so, uh, you know, Tom, thanks for listening. Love you. Appreciate the feedback. Well, and I want to say one more thing about it is the reason we use the shopping as an example is that's a currency my son understands right now. If it was a different currency or topic, we could have used that. But when we talk about, talk about it in those terms for him. It's, it's on a level he understands right now. Um, you know, he understands in that way right now. And so, again, it, it wasn't about the materialism or lack or better than or less than. It was about work ethic and trying trying to get him to understand it. And that worked for us. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it worked young, for him. And young people in general today, they have a lot of assumptions about life and they fail to realize uh, the things that Americans had to work really, really hard for just two or mm-hmm. three generations ago. I mean, my grandmother didn't have carpet or flooring, lived her entire childhood on a dirt floor. I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. So when we go on mission trips to Ecuador or to Peru, right, that's the that's the lowest socioeconomic level in Peru. So, uh, you know, a struggling economy. And, and certainly there are wealthy people in Peru. I don't want to offend everybody in Peru, but the poverty there is is pretty, you know, overwhelming. And same thing with, within India. And so in America, in America, uh, one generation removed from me, my grandmother lived in a house where they rented out the kitchen uh, floor to families that were literally letting things go go through the, the depression. So they have a very different perspective of what my child um, considers. And so we, we just have to be aware that all of our children are growing up in an American environment where the expectations, I mean, it's a very, very real well, discussion. The assumption, today. Yeah. the assumption of I'm going to graduate, I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to get life handed to me. There is this weird thing in our yeah. culture right now with that that's not happening and young people are crashing when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And we want our son to know you're going to get what you work for. You have It takes a lot of work. And your dad and I have worked hard 
when it wasn't easy and we had nothing. And what our, our point was, what you're seeing now didn't just happen for us. We, we've had to work. And that's not to say other people aren't working hard and not getting the same, whatever. It's not to, none of it was about that. So I'm sorry that that was taken that way. It wasn't meant that way. Not at all. Not and I think Tom knows that. Yeah. yeah. So Tom, thank you for your question. Appreciate you and your concern. All right. So jumping into some of these family drama questions. Yes. The first one comes from the, the MMB. MMB is how she uh, wrote her name in. She says, I've been convicted to better a relationship with one of my in-laws. You mentioned the difference between people who are destructive versus people who are difficult. Mm. This person isn't a thief or an unlawful citizen or anything, but they are destructive in how they use family for their benefit at whatever cost to get their way. It is totally unbalanced the family and some members don't even come around anymore because of this. I want to act in a way that pleases God because I will be accountable on judgment day. What can I do to better our relationship? Yeah, you can only do what you can do. And so mm-hmm. the first thing that you have to do is you have to free, I guess it's mother-in-law, some, yeah. someone on the other side. So let's just, let's just say this. You have natural levels of grace for the people that you grew up with biological, biologically. Mm-hmm. So there, there are weird things that were in all of our families. But because we grew up in that fish tank, they're not weird to us. Mm-hmm. So then you get married and you go into another home where they have all the same weird crap or, or maybe different weird crap in their house, but it's all normal to them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not normal to you. You go, hey, wait a minute, this this is bizarre. Mm-hmm. And so here's the first thing is I think that, you know, I loved the, the home that I grew up in. I, I think we had the healthiest home on the block. I mean, that's just the reality. I, I thought my parents were rock stars growing up. As I married Tammy, there were things about Tammy's family that I appreciated more. I thought they they had they were healthier at. There were things in my family that I thought were healthier. And so what I would say is instead of having a critical mind for those that are not your family, just be willing to say, hey, there's probably some weird stuff in my family that I'm blind to. Mm-hmm. And there were some things in my family that I was totally blind to until Tammy so lovingly pointed them out. Um, but there were some things in her family that she was blind to. There was there was some bizarre mm-hmm. stuff there too. And so what we had to say first of all, is how are we going to raise our family and our kids? And this was not an easy process. Mm-hmm. This was this was a very, very contentious process, and I don't think that we handled it the best way. Uh, and a lot of this revolved around holidays, how we celebrate holidays. Um, you know, for my my household, holidays were very much about church. For Tammy's holidays, grew up in a ministry yeah, home. Yeah, ministry home. Tammy's holidays were very much about family. And those are, the, those are two beautiful things, mm-hmm. not the same. Mm-hmm. And so we had to figure that out. And we lived in closer proximity to her family, which meant, right, the tension was going to be more on that side because my family was, what, 600 miles away, 500 mm-hmm. miles away. So the first thing I would say is is, is go to God with this. Okay, what are, what of these things that are bothering me are ridiculous? Is there Because I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's some things that you are being, you, you're noticing, you're overly critical of, and then repent of that and say, God, I'm sorry for these things. And then what are the things that are very, very real that need to be to be dealt with? And then come up with a strategy through prayer of how to deal with those things. And so how to deal with them really is about timing. Uh, you know, it's, it's about relationship. And people tend to listen to you when they feel loved, safe, and secure. And so does, do these people feel loved, safe, and secure around me? If they feel criticized or they feel like I'm an outsider, they're not going to hear that well. You have any thoughts? Well, I was going to say... I mean, this is just such a tangled, tricky kind of situation. You know, I think if God's convicting you to make a better relationship, then you need to honor that. Um, but you also need to figure out what that looks like. Because, yes, there's like you're saying, like, what do you need to address? That's assumption that the other party can hear it yeah, and, and wants to. That's not always the case, um, as we've learned on both sides of our families, you know, of of how that can look. But like... 
you know, if they're not destructive, um, they're difficult, you know, sometimes we do difficult things for, for Matt and I, you know, one of our big things that is a value for us is what our kids are, how our kids are seeing us behave. And so if we're saying we can just write off people in our world that are difficult, well, guess what? Our children think we're difficult a lot of the time. We're modeling them that it's okay to write us off. When our children see that we, how we navigate difficult stuff, I think they're better off for it. And we're better off for it because we're going to be those difficult in-laws one day. And so to figure out what that looks like, it, it it, you know, it looks like boundaries, but it not boundaries that are keeping out, just boundaries. So we spend this much time together or the time looks like this or, you know, to just figure out how to make it work where you're not miserable and getting bitter, but you're also not alienating, isolating, judging, you know, try to figure out that middle, mm-hmm. that middle ground and what that looks like and then get on the same page about it. Matt and I have had to do that in a lot of circumstances. Um what I want to say most of all is one of the things Matt and I have to navigate is not being getting against each other because of our family dynamics, Mm -hmm. which is hard. And, and our children see that. So when we're at each other because of our families, um, you know, that's really hard. And to remember that we're each other's family, you know, primarily. And so we've had to say like, I want to honor you in this, hear you in this, vice versa, Mm -hmm. but also neither of us asking the other person to give up relationship with their family, even if Mm -hmm. it's really hard. So, and I also think that a lot of that, you know, um, depends on personality. So Mm -hmm. I think that when we had tension with your family, it was far easier for me to stand up and say, no, no, I'm not doing that. I think for Tammy, what I needed to do was allow her to have a voice and to be able to stand up in that moment and say, no, because I think a lot of the tension for Tammy and I with my family would be, we would be talking about it later. And a lot of this crap happens when I'm not present. So I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. I, I, you know, I, it didn't go down. And some of that maybe is intentional. Some of it's unintentional or, you know, or it's just, you know, we, we just missed each other at a family event. But I would just encourage you, like, for example, we, we just had some of Tammy's family over last week. And I said to Tammy beforehand, if this happens beforehand, I'm going to speak up. So I want you to be prepared. I want you to be aware. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like we had a we had a great mm-hmm. we had a great interaction. Nothing bad happened. We, we laughed about it because you know family members are are difficult and you know especially as family members age, I think they're more free to express. <laughs> Which is going to be all of us, you yeah, guys. So they're, they're more free to express things that, that they don't on. like. And mm-hmm. a lot of us who are, are are young are like, whoa, that's offensive. And and we have to be ready to just say nope you know, I don't agree with that, or mm-hmm. I don't think we should do that and not get so wrapped up in it. But just to simply say, look, we're, we're just, we're just spitballing opinions here and try to detach yourself emotionally and just say, no, that's, that's ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be held accountable for doing the right thing. And so if family members are encouraging something that's wrong, don't, don't be a part of that. But if it's just a preferential thing, a lot of it's swallowing your pride, but if it's an ethical thing, you got to stand up yeah. and you just got to say, no, no, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult, but you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, and some of us, you know, my, my parents reflect on me. My dad tells this story about, we, we went on a field trip to earth day and it was literally at a, at a university. And I don't know, I'm not driving yet, which is why he's there. So I'm 15 years old and it was some atheist at a university talking. And I'm some kid just telling this atheist where to stick it, you know? Like you're ridiculous. And my dad is just like mortified because I'm just standing there debating and that's just kind of how God's wired me. So I got to be careful um, 
I've always just kind of had an opinion about things and I got to be careful <laughs> with that. But here's what I would say is I think a lot of Tammy and I's bitterness that, that is sin in our life is because we haven't been declarative. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's not okay. Hey, that's not right. Hey, that's out of bounds. And especially, here's what I would say, the stronger the personality in your family, the stronger you have to deal with it. So th- In th- love. In love, yeah. But, Which sometimes we've gotten right, sometimes we haven't. Yeah. You know, there's a couple benefits with fan- like when you think of the Enneagram, which is the whole purpose we're going through this, is now that Matt and I can be curious about some we know because they've tested, but people's different demeanors we know. This person is going to think they know how to do everything right. They have a lot of two in them or one in them. They think they just know better or a lot of eight or, you know, mm-hmm. like we can just start to make it less personal towards us, the things that they do. Um, You know, we also get the benefit if Matt and I are trying to be healthy, we can look at both of our families and go, we really loved, I really loved that my family did this. I didn't love this. I want to glean this from my upbringing and I want to discard this. And same for Matt, you know, we get to do that um, with our own family and our own children who will do the same thing or our children are young adults now and they're figuring out what they loved that we did and what they want to never do with their own. And they get that. Um, families are tricky to navigate because there's a lot invested and, and yes, you can have boundaries for, and again, we're talking about normal run of the mill families. There are times where you have to cut a family member off. You, you know, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's sort of a run of the mill annoyance kind of a deal with family in this question. But, um, I would say try to, in your mind, in the uproar of whatever the annoyance is or what you think is destructive or how they're using family stuff to get together, start being curious about maybe what you think that person might have a lot of in them. If they're a challenger, they just have to come against, they think they know it all. Um, and, And just start you know, just maybe having a little more compassion that of, of going, okay, the challenger is afraid of vulnerability or the helper is afraid that they're not loved or needed, or the one is afraid to death that they're not getting it right. They're never going to admit that they don't do every single thing right, Mm -hmm. but inside they are, you know, so when you look at people through the lens of the Enneagram to help us relate, which is the point of the series, try to be curious with these family members of what you think. Again, don't go, they're such a eight, they're such a whatever, but you know, of they probably have a lot of eight in them, which means they're afraid of vulnerability deep down. Mm -hmm. They're afraid, you know, and, and it, it does give you a starting point to have, to be a little more considerate, a little more empathetic, a little more understanding and take it a little less personally, Mm -hmm. but also decide who you want to be and what you want to model for your children. Yeah, that's great. All right. So Amber wrote in, this is going to be a long one, so go with me here. Whoa. Just let me start by saying I'm a five on the Enneagram. It was recently revealed to me that there was sexual abuse in my family when I was a child. From what I remember, it didn't happen to me, but happened to my other three siblings. The news hurt me so much because I'm very protective and the peacemaker in my family. My mom left when we were younger and is bipolar and was a drug addict who was clean for 13 years and recently relapsed in July. When she relapsed, she can't casually mention this abuse that I had no idea about. I'm the youngest in the family and we're the kind of people who stuff down our hurt, don't talk about deep-rooted issues, and try to ignore the past. We're all Christians now, and this, but this happened before we started going to church. Do you have any suggestions on how to try and heal from these past experiences so that we can move forward? Is there anything I can do to help fix this pain in my family? Wow. Uh, let me just first off say, what was her name? 
Amber. Amber, I'm so sorry that that happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. I praise God for your mom's sobriety while it lasted. It breaks my heart that she recently relapsed. And I just want you to know that grace is real for your mom, that that Jesus is real for your mom and for your family. And I would just say this, this feels impossible, but -hmm. with God, all things are are possible. And so we have to trust God that... uh, his power to heal and bring families together mm-hmm. is limitless. And so we have to trust him in that. The first thing that I would recommend for you is to get with a counselor. Mm-hmm. You can call the church office. We can recommend a counselor. Mm-hmm. And I would re- I would request that before you try to help your family, you try to help yourself mm-hmm. and you just really, really spend a good year or two in counseling, really working through these issues. I, I hope to God that you weren't abused, but if you were the safe place for you to deal with that is in counseling and not with your mom or your siblings um, yet. I mean, you might be able to get there yet, but a lot of the work forward is work in the past, and we want to invite Jesus into those hurts. Mm-hmm. We want to invite Jesus into those those heartaches, and we, we want to trust Him in that. And so I, I just would say, as I would really, really encourage you to do s- some counseling, and again, as a five, it needs to be somebody that you think is competent, somebody that you respect, somebody that can give you some good mental work to do, because that's something that's going to help you. So that includes uh, reading resources, that includes uh, you know some internet searches. I mean, you want a counselor that can, can not just work with your feelings, but that can help you unravel the thought process that's really underlying all of that. And so that's the challenge of counseling. So if you come, I think most counselors are weighted towards helping the uh, heart triad heal. So we deal a lot with shame, we deal a lot with feelings, but oftentimes the sevens, the sixes, and the fives really, really struggle with counseling because it immediately goes to the heart issues. And really what we need to deal with is how we're thinking and processing what's Mm -hmm. gone wrong. And so I would just get a counselor who understands the Enneagram and can really help you unravel and help you to make sense of these things. Um, Because again, uh, psychologists are bent towards heart issues and shame and helping us unpack that. And a lot of them are not experts. I'm sure there are some. Mm-hmm. And so you want to find that person that can really help you kind of wrap your mind around that. And, um, you know, and again, that's just, you know, so much of, of Tammy and I, as we come at conflict, I'm so much in the heart triad dealing with shame and feeling. And Tammy is so desperate. Yeah, she's trying to understand <laughs> why. Mm-hmm. And and that's not nearly as important. The why it happened is not as important to me as how it makes me feel. So you can see how we're... We we're, we're, just, so we're, just in, we're just in two mm-hmm. completely different camps. And so, um, and, and here's the thing, let me just be honest with you. There are just some whys that God's not going to answer. And so that's part of, I think it's great to ask questions and try to understand, but ultimately what you have to lay at the throne of Jesus is, Jesus, you don't have to answer all of these questions because you're God and King and I'm not. And so when we demand answers, what what we're doing is we're not actually praying to to the king. We're not we're not we're not actually praying to God. We can ask and we can request, but we have to trust that He loves us and cares for us. And there might be answers that don't provide any healing. And so um, we have to trust God in that. And so we can ask God, but God gets to say no. So just just know that there there may be some things that that I'm not going to understand in this, and um, and and trust that. And that's a part of your new growth in Christ. Mm-hmm. We we are not God. We are not equals of God and we don't get all of our questions answered. 
what I'm going to look forward to is the questions that God does answer and the things that God does help you to understand. Mm-hmm. And so praise God for those things. So the, those new pieces of information and that new perspective that you have about that. Um, and again, for all of our young listeners, this is why I just would beg you to say no to drugs, to say no, even if it's marijuana, just know that so many people, they start off just partying, right? And if you're seven, listen to me, it's fun, it's exciting, you know, just a couple of drinks here, uh, you know, wine with some moms, you know, Tammy talked about that before. I'm just going to do this. And then all of a sudden you've placed your family in the hands of people who do drugs. And now your family is interacting with people who do drugs. I think one of the reasons that I grew up in such a safe world is my parents didn't drink and they didn't uh, do drugs. And so I was never placed in the hands of people where that was a a uh, unifying factor. And that's one of the reasons why I was sheltered from so many evils that took place and went wrong. And that's not to say that drink, all drinking is bad. I'm just saying when when you socialize with people who the center of it is intoxication and or, um, mm-hmm. you know, being high, you've now placed your little ones in the hands of people that are potentially are not safe. And, and, and you need to be very aware of that situation. And when you're on drugs, when you're high, when you're drunk, you're not, you're not the best protector of your kids. And, and it's, so it's not just right the damage that drugs are doing to you, but while you're stoned, while you're high, while you're drunk, Who's, who's watching after your children while you're passed out, while you're partnering? You know, who, who's, who's the caretakers? Who's taking that role of caretaker? And so that's what, again, those of you who are young, I don't want this to have to be your story. Be your child's best protector. Be your child's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, look after them. They, they have been entrusted to you by God, so they don't have to have Amber's story. And they don't have to work through these things like Amber did. And so, Amber, I think it's important that you have grace for your mom and you walk through that. But the reality is... Drugs have stolen some innocence from your family, from your mom, and and from your from your lifestyle, and so, um, just and, and that's just part of the the healing that you have to endure. So I love you. I'm praying for you, but I would get in counseling mm-hmm. and really be selfish here with your healing journey so that you can be in a place to help your family members. Mm -hmm. But if you're all wounded, all you're going to do is just keep hurting each other. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage your siblings, get counseling, get counseling, Mm -hmm. get in church, get in a community group. You can't help people who won't take the first step to help themselves. And otherwise you're going to go crazy. You're going to go crazy. Uh, You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is where Jesus asked the guy who's been at the, at the pool for 38 years. And Jesus says, what do you want? We all assume he wants to be well. Jesus reads right through that. Mm What do, you, what do you really want? Do you want to get well? Well, I don't have anybody. Do you want to get well? Because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is standing right in front of you. And so my question to you, Amber, is do you want to get well? Mm-hmm. And the best mm-hmm. chance your family has for healing is you to find healing and you to get well and let Jesus dip you in that pool and, and really begin that healing process. And again, I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, and don't minimize the value in you getting well and healthy because that sets precedent for the next generation. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't know if you have kids or you're going to, but they're going to see that that's going to, that's going to have ripple effects. Mm-hmm. You getting well and even among your family, but you know, you're not, you know, you said, how can I help this? And I, I admire the heart, the heart to help fix your family because of course we all want our families to be well. Um, but your priority needs to be, to making sure that you're well mm-hmm. as a five on the Enneagram, the five, you know, needs things to make sense. They need enough information. You also mem- mentioned being the peacemaker, which 
indicates maybe that you have a lot of nine in you, the peacemaker. So the five is what do I need to know? Like I need to figure this out. And the nine, what do I, in the gut triad, what do I need to do? You know, and, and so, you know, the best thing to do, like Matt said, is I think talk to somebody who can help you try to make sense and then release what you can't because mm-hmm. no, you might know all the facts, but when abuse happens, it never makes sense because it's broken. It's wrong. It's sinful. Like there's never a point to go, Oh, this now I can make That's all what, this make yeah. sense, which is what the five needs, mm-hmm. you know? And the nine is the peace. Um, when that kind of damage is done in a family, mm. there's not, always peace is not always possible so to figure out that peace inside which is why i think counseling like matt said is so important for you to do so i'm sorry that happened that's so hard yeah okay so anonymous wrote in anonymous yanny moss we haven't had one of those i think this this might be an andy moss so uh he says what would be a good first step in the right direction when my family is so dysfunctional i'm currently not speaking with anybody in my family my dad is having an affair and has been for years i've always been in the middle of my parents issues throughout my childhood well into my adult years i had a conversation with both of my parents in which i told them that outside of holidays i would not engage them in any way unless something changed in the situation with the affair it's been nine months without talking to my family it hurts me, but I don't know what to do. My parents have not done anything different. Neither of my parents are believers, and my mo- mother is influenced heavily by Catholicism and the Catholics in our family who don't believe in divorce regardless of the situation. All I desire is for Jesus to radically change my family, and it's been a painful dream to have for 15 years. What is my part in all this? Where should I start? Yeah, the first thing I would say, Anonymous, is is you, you threw down a, a, a demand and what you were hoping was that the demand would would, would get a response. Mm-hmm. And the reality is your parents are not well. So here's what I would say. If you want relationship with your parents, you're going to have to engage in their brokenness. And you're never going to influence your mom. Who, If what you're saying is accurate, she probably needs to get divorced. And I think she's actually... I mean, I don't know the doctrine, the, the 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 Catholic doctrine completely, but Jesus said that the only reason uh, for divorce biblically is uh, infidelity, which is what you're saying your dad has been doing for years. So that's a huge, huge problem. Um, I talked about this weekend that the difference in ethnicities. I had somebody, you know, pull me aside outside of church and said, "We all the same, black, white, whatever." Okay, no, we're not. We're absolutely not. There are there is a thing called culture, and it's very very real. And if you're Hispanic and if you're Catholic, family is 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 God, and that's just the reality. Um, that's not something. Uh, I, I think white families should be more like Hispanic families. I don't know that they're Hispanic. I'm assuming. Good things to learn from. Yeah, the there's good things to sure. learn from that. The negative of that is it's really, really hard to be honest with, with families. And so whenever we're talking about uh, in Latino families, some kind of abuse, divorce, infidelity, literally it becomes a castle, right? And so we build this big wall all around it and it's really, really difficult to break outside of that. The good side is family's really important. The bad side is we can't ever deal with anything that's real. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and just so you know, this is the, this is the normal your mom has accepted. Your mom has chosen to believe that this is what God has for her. Maybe a priest has told her this. I I don't know. The only way she's going to know anything different, Annie Moss, is if you are different. And here's what 1 Corinthians uh, says to us. The context is, how does a a Christian woman influence a non-Christian man? That's the context. The broader meaning is, how does a Christian family member influence non-Christian family members? The answer is the same. Whether it's your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad, your dad, the answer is behavior. You need to be loving. You need to be kind. And so you have to decide 
what level can I engage my parents with? So if I was your parents, I would think you've left the Catholic Church and you've joined a cult. That's what that's what I would think. And your church is telling you not to have anything to do with this. What I'm not, I, and I've not said that. What I'm saying is, if they're not destructive, then you need to figure out a way to engage with them. It says that it's killing you, right? Not killing you, but. It hurts you. It hurts you and you don't know what to do. Well, I think you do know what to do. You want two things that are that are different. You want your parents to wake up and get real. They're not going to. And you want a, a relationship with your parents. Well, they're not going to wake up. They're not awake. They're not in the reality that you are. So for you to have a relationship with them, you have to join their world and their life. This is what they've chosen. You have to pray about if that's what you want or not. But if you want to to know them, as long as you're not being hurt, wounded, you know, this isn't like totally tweaking you. You know, Paul says, I've become all things to all people that I might win some to Christ. You have to join the level of relationship and health that they are at in order to influence them. And I would just say the best chance you have with your mom and dad is probably not laying down ultimatums. I mean, clearly they don't know what to do with it because it just Mm -hmm. ended the relationship. So that gives me some kind of clue as to the level of dysfunction that they're dealing with. And so where I would start is I would go back and apologize and say, mom and dad, I'm sorry that I late. Cause, cause ultimately their marriage is not your business. It's their marriage. Mm. And you need to apologize because you overstepped your bounds. And the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And what you should say is what I really want is for you to love each other. And I feel like cheating is wrong, but those are my feelings. That, that's what I think, and that's what I believe the Bible says. But I also believe the Bible says that I shouldn't honor you guys, and I didn't do that. And so I'm going to ask for forgiveness in that. Because what you're showing them, so here's one of the nuances of Catholicism, is they believe that they should confess their sins to a priest, which is really not helpful at all. The Bible says we need to learn to confess our sins one to another so that we may be whole and healed. That's James 5.16. And you can quote that verse to him. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus' brother said. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to confess my sin to you. I shouldn't have cut off relationship. I'm sorry. And and the bottom line is they're never going to be able to accept the hurt they've done to you because they can't even deal with the hurt they've done to each other. That they're doing mm-hmm. to each other. That they're doing yeah. to each other. And so, um, you, you, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and this is this is just literally, you know, a great example of Christians you know, swallowing the gnat or, or, or uh, straining out a gnat, but swallowing a camel. And so we're not going to get divorced, but we're going to have the most dysfunctional, unhealthy relationship on earth. And, and dad's not going to be faithful. That's not a picture of, of, of marriage at all. So all you can do animos or animus uh, is own your part and ask for forgiveness. And I would say, get into relationship in the shallow end, be cautious, try to engage, but start with, I'm sorry. And I would even say this, what I learned at my church is what I did was wrong. Because then what that does is that allows Sandals to not be an enemy. And a lot of Catholics assume that Sandals Church is the enemy of their faith. We're not an enemy of Catholics. We want Catholics to know and love Jesus and, and, and love each other. We, that's, what, that's, that's our heart for Catholics. What's important for Catholics is that they have a real relationship with Jesus Christ and they begin to allow that real relationship to affect their relationships with each other. We worship the same Jesus. We just have different religious histories. And uh, and Catholics weren't always the way that they are now. But they don't know that. They, they don't know that. It's just, and, and I mean, people that go to Sandals, they don't know the way Sandals was when we started. They, they don't know that. And Sandals only has a 20-year history. You know, Roman Catholicism has about a 1,700-year history. I know they say 2,000. That's not actually true. But it's about a 1,700-year history. So, um, 
I just would say have grace. Your thoughts? I have a couple thoughts on it. Just, you know, what, what you're frustrated about, so understandably so, is that your parents are not being what you think they need to be which, with one another, which we, I think we would all agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, what I'm curious about is how they're being to you because the, the person that they're really hurting is one another. Um, and I'm sure there's all kinds of of stuff that you don't know as a kid, um, even if you're an adult kid, their dynamic of hurting each other and, and what's going on there. But by withdrawing, I mean, I just can't imagine what it feels like. I'll talk from your mom, hopefully, because I'm not a dad, but of just like, okay, my husband mm. is separated from me and now my son is too. Mm. You know, I just, I, I would encourage you to still know that your mom loves you and how that, I, I just can't imagine, even if she's not changed anything, she's in a tough spot. You know, she, her husband's love is divided. <laughs> Time, attention, loyalty, you know, fidelity, all that is divided. And now she's losing you. I mean, that's a tough place to be. And I, I just can't imagine how that would feel if Ethan did that to mm-hmm. me, removed himself because, so it's like you're being, it's, it's adding insult to injury. So I'd figure out a way to try to connect with your mom, speaking as a mom, um, as your mom, because her accepting that from your dad is doesn't take away her love from you as a mom and how important that is, as dysfunctional as it all is, to figure out how to honor them. They need to work out their own mess. One of the hardest lessons in life, I think, that Matt and I both go through is when we want something for people more than they want it for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard thing. We've wanted it in both of our families. We can see so clearly being on the outside what would be healthier and better mm-hmm. and where the where the problem and the dysfunction lies. And we have gotten ourselves so worked up at times over wanting better for family members than they want for themselves. You we, people ha, people make a move when they want better for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd want you to start acknowledging in prayer is that your parents probably have a, their own great deal of hurt, their own great deal of brokenness, their own great deal of disappointment and regret in life and mm-hmm. pain they're trying to fill that's put them in this situation. You, you know, you're not motivating them to be better. You're actually adding to that in that way, even though I know it hurts you too. What you can take from it is be different mm-hmm. when it's you and your wife and your family and your children, recognizing that your choices don't just affect you. A lot of parents think that their choices just affect each other when you're experiencing they don't so you get to be different later but how can you how can you love them where they are yeah now it, knowing like i said to to withdraw your love from them is just devastating and on a whole nother layer especially for the mom if she's the one being cheated on yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well and the problem know. is you know so th- Think of the Ten Commandments, and we talked about it this week, honor your father and mother. So it's one of the Ten Commandments. And really, the only reason I could think that we can disengage from our parents is if they're destructive. So they're they're a drug addict, they're a thief, they're violent, they're sexually abusive. Um, but other than that, your job is to try to honor them and, and care for them. And, and here's the thing, at some point, if things go the way they should, they're going to die before you. 
And then you don't have any time to reconcile. We can't reconcile with dead Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And so your only opportunity to reconcile this is while they're living and to try to honor them while they're living. And and the best way to try to get your dad's attention to the fact that this Jesus really means something to you is that you try to honor him Mm -hmm. in the midst of his sin uh, because he still is the position of your father. Look, it's wrong what they did. It's wrong that they put you in, in the middle of this. It's wrong that they've wrecked you, but you're an adult now. You're not a child. You're an adult. And you're an adult follower of Jesus Christ, and you really need to re-engage with them and just say, look, this is, I mean, you can be honest, this has been very hurtful to me, but I can only assume that me cutting you off for nine months was hurtful. So I'm, I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to engage you. I don't want to be the ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. in between you guys. I love you it both. It doesn't mean you have to do yeah. stuff all together yeah. and pretend that you're okay. Like have lunch with dad, yeah. take mom out for breakfast when you can. Like don't penalize them as individuals because of their choice of their relationship is what. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, Great think. question, Annie Moss. Love you. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up with one That's quick rough. question here. Yeah. Um, Alejandra wrote in and said, my husband's family can be particularly difficult to handle during the holidays. I didn't grow up celebrating holidays. And even after years of attending, these are still overwhelming. So these events can leave me feeling depleted and frustrated. How can I pray in this season and how can I better prepare myself to navigate these situations? Yeah. When I was a kid, I loved holidays. I I literally was clueless to all the drama that went on. And I just had, I just, I, and so I guess I'm thankful for my parents that I didn't know about all that stuff. But as an adult, that's the thing I've been most disappointed with in the holidays is I was like, wow, these aren't all that fun um, because adults are morons. You know, kids are fun and kids are kids. I mean, some kids are snots, but most kids are fun. And, um, you know, most kids, the cousins love playing together and, and being together. And I think that's great, but adults are knuckleheads. And so, uh, I, I'm curious as to why you said I didn't grow up celebrating the holidays. So I'm wondering if I'm curious if you're a Jehovah witness, um, or your parents just, I, I mean, that's, that, that's interesting to me. So I would have loved more information mm-hmm. on that. So here's what I'd say is holidays are foreign to you. Uh, so they're not foreign to your husband's family. So part of loving your your husband is having a positive, uh, um, you know, interaction and and just and just trying to get up and get ready for this. And and I would just say just prepare yourself. And um, again, don't get walked over, don't get stepped on, but figure out how you can contribute, how you can help. And I especially think for women, it's really really challenging. Um, you know, Tammy's family was challenging me for, for me at first, but I, I like challenges. I, 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 I'm pretty adaptive. That's part of being a three. I can fit in anywhere. Uh, cause I think I'm awesome. You know, that's part of the, the, <laughs> the dishonesty of the three. So, so, you know, I can fit in and I, I my, my thing is this doesn't last forever. I mean, I don't have to be here forever and I don't have to see these people again for another year, but, um, well, maybe that's the conversation you have is because, again, if he did celebrate them growing up, it's it's not fair for you to go, well, you don't get to do that now. But there is a place for you to say now, what does this look like for us? Which maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not fair for you to say it's not happening, but it's not fair for him to say, oh, you're getting dragged along for the next <laughs> seven hours to 20 yeah. events this month. Yeah. So to figure out what that looks like of like, hey, everybody, we, our tradition is going to be we do Christmas Eve. I'm just throwing out a stupid example here, but like alone at home because then you get that time downtime but then also like between the two of you say okay we're gonna go we're gonna go from 12 to 2 and then we'll leave even if the event goes to 8 you know just find that middle ground Mm -hmm. try to I would encourage you to try to figure out the things that you do can celebrate about the holiday the person you do look forward to seeing the part of it that you can start falling in love with or what is a tradition that you'd like to add into it that feels, you you know, try to figure out authentic ways you can embrace 
that season, mm-hmm. um, but also not be overwhelmed. I mean, maybe you don't say yes to every Christmas party every Friday and Saturday night, but you say, we know we have this family thing this day, so you reserve yourself, you know, you kind of say no to the rest so that you can say yes to, to your husband in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, just understanding he did grow up that his holidays, from what I'm gathering, are important to him and his family. And But now you have to decide who you guys are, and he has to meet you but you also have to meet him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would just say, you said these events can leave me feeling depleted. So I would say, get with a counselor, get with yourself, get with a friend. What about the event leaves you depleted? Mm -hmm. Is it the length? So Tammy and I just had to have this conversation, you know, last holidays, we, we spent too much time together. So it was just, it was just a long day. So, you know, can we do four hours? Can we do six hours? Can, some families do eight hours. Some families spend the night. Who hosts? Who should host? Yeah, do who we should host? Who house? does it? Yeah. Is it better to go and to And so I would just house? really, really hone in on what specifically is depleting, what specifically is frustrating, mm-hmm. and then how can you and your husband preemptively say, hey, here's some things we could make better. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, you, you got to remember, grandparents, they're only used to, you know, like, so with my mom and dad, and then Tammy's mom and dad, they were only used to having Christmas, you with uh, two daughters, and my parents with two boys. So things are changing for them too. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of us, we don't realize is how much change it is for the grandparents. And so we need to be considerate of that, but we also need to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And so like, you know, Tammy and I, what did we do dinner last year? What was it? We did Christmas day all day. Yeah. It was just too long. It it just ultimately being ended up being too long. And that's because Tammy's doing all the cooking and all the prepping. And so it needs, I think shorter is better (laughs) in planning. And so you need to say, Hey, let's not do dinner. Let's do lunch or let's do dinner and everybody come over at three or four and just, you know, and figure managing, out that magic. managing that tension because yeah. that that's a tension of I'm used to being at my house, being my way and, and other people coming over have their own way. They want to do it, which adds attention. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, if they really need it to be their way, let's go to their house. They can have it their way. I'll do it my way. You know, just figuring out like like you said, exactly what the tension is and knowing that my way is not everybody's way. Everyone else's way isn't my way. So Mm. how can we figure out how to make it work that works for all of us? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, those are all we have <laughs> for this week. Family stuff is the hardest <laughs> stuff to talk about. Yeah, this because is, it matters yeah. the most. And, oh, and that's yeah. what I was trying to say this weekend at church is it really, really matters. And and it's very, very intense. And that's just the reality. And just and just know that most people, your family members, they didn't hear a sermon on this this weekend. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever talked to them about, hey, should I consider this from a different perspective? And the older we get, the more used we are used we are to getting it our way, mm-hmm. and we become less flexible as we age. And so that's just that's just a reality, um, you know. And so just just be aware of that. Yeah. That was a very yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm I don't know. We're gearing I up for the holidays. Today. <laughs> All right. Well, thank happy you guys. holidays, everybody. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening in today. If you have more questions as we continue to wrap up this series, you can send those in at debrief.show. What are we doing yep. next week? Are we doing? We're doing. Dating? Oh, we're hanging out with our young adults next week. Uh, right. We're recording a live That's episode right. with our Sandal Church young adults, where you guys are doing live Q and A on dating. Mm-hmm. So if you Oof. are a young adult, get those questions in. Make sure to join us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you can check all the details out at move.sc/slash/debrief live. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, guys.